Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's get into this word. Genesis chapter 8. I'm going to read just one verse to you. It's a very familiar verse for some of you if you've studied the Bible much at all. Genesis chapter 8, verse number 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed time and harvest. harvest. Say it again, seed time and harvest. harvest. Cold and and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Watch. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Did you hear that? While the earth remains. Here's a clue. The earth still remains. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. I preached last week on a prayer and a plan. I want to preach this week on a prayer and a seed. Now, I've always had this. This is one of the most challenging things about preaching and about teaching the Bible is you have to find, you have to try to strike this balance between being spiritual and practical at the same time. I have been involved in those ministries that are ultra spiritual all the time and they have no practical capacity whatsoever. They just pray about it, hope God comes through, Jesus have your way, and their life falls apart. Then I've been on the other opposite end where people are ultra practical and they leave God completely out of the equation. Okay? And I know, I know I've, I've been in both worlds. I've lived in both worlds. I've, I've, I've come out of both worlds. And the most challenging part is striking that balance, striking that middle ground. I've learned that most of the Christian life is not questions that are answered. Most of the Christian life is not questions that have answers, but tensions that have to be managed. There's a tension between, between grace and truth. There's a tension between being practical and being spiritual. Right? It is our job to equip you to be both. When we talk about a prayer and a seed, it is our job to equip you to prayer and our job to teach you about seed. And I I hope this year you have the greatest year of prayer you've ever had in your life. All right? The only way that's going to happen is you have to carve out, you have to make the time to spend more time with God. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today, I can't help but pray. As opposed to, I have so much to do today, I don't get to pray. Prayer has to be the foundation. That has to be the launching point. There will be times in your life where you get to spend an hour, two hours, three hours in prayer in one day. Then there's times when you pray in three minutes, fighting traffic on the way to work, putting on your eyelashes, and drinking your Starbucks. Did you hear that, Wesley? Putting on your eyelashes. I'm talking to you, brother. No, I'm teasing. You got to strike this balance between being practical. Spurgeon said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Y'all ain't even ready. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. There's another writer that said, people come to church on Sunday morning because the church is popular. They come to church on Sunday night because the preacher is popular. But they come to the prayer meeting because God is popular. We have to resurrect prayer in the church again. 
There are some things that you can practically adjust and get right in your life and see breakthrough. And then there are other things that only God can do it because you took hold of the horns of the altar and you called on God and he answered your prayer. That's why your Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If I know anything, I know this. The church of Jesus Christ today does not know how to pray. We know how to worship. We know how to sing along with the songs, but we don't know how to pray. Most of us wouldn't have a prayer life if we didn't have an iPod on our phone. When was the last time you shut the music off, shut the TV off, climbed in your closet or in your bedroom, or the kids were asleep and just walked around your coffee table with nothing to prop you up and help you up, and you just said, God, I am here to meet with you in prayer. Oh, glory to God. I love that old song. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the, y'all know that song? We've got to learn to pray again. Music has become the great crutch of the church that we call prayer. We go in and we lay down. Put on some music, sip some coffee, and call it prayer. Or we bow our head over our meal and call it prayer. Or we say a blessing before we head to work in the morning and we call it prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about devoted, dedicated time where you say I'm shutting down all of the carnal, fleshly pleasures around me. I'm shutting the teeth. I heard one preacher say this. He said social media one day is going to be proof before God that we did indeed have time to pray. It means we shut the Facebook off, we shut the Twitter off, we shut the gram off, and you go get alone with God on your face, and you don't get up until his glory and his presence visits you. Some of you in here, you've never experienced that in your life, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you want the presence of God to fill your life more than ever before this year. We've got to learn to pray again. Are y'all with me? This Y'all making this awful. I'm talking about prayer and you're looking at me sideways now. We've got to pray again. We've got to pray again. You might have to do without some sleep. You don't need nine and a half hours. Right? I guarantee you, you would feel better on six hours with an hour of prayer than nine hours with no prayer. I learned early on in our marriage, when we started having kids, time gets, I, I, love, I love hearing single people talk about how busy they are. I'm like, where, you haven't been to church? What's been going on? I've just been so busy. Okay, you work at McDonald's part-time. You don't go to school. What has got you so balled up that you just can't hardly walk outside? I'm busy. So when we started getting, when we, started, when we got married, we started having kids. I, and working full-time, traveling all the time, I found out what busy was. And then I learned this. No matter what I do, as long as I stay before God in prayer, we're fine. As a matter of fact, if I have to take time away from my family to make sure my spirit's right, when we come back together, God will multiply the time. I can spend eight hours with my family and not pray, or I can go seek God, spend four hours with them, and God makes it feel like eight. Because prayer has to be the foundation of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If, 
probably shouldn't go too deep down this road because I don't want to offend anybody this morning. But I think we would might would be shocked if we really took inventory of the state of our prayer life. Right? Well, I pray at church. That's not what I'm talking about. We all do 30 minutes of prayer before service. That's nuts for sure. Not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the kids and the husband are in bed and you get up and go get before God. How do people live without going to get before God? So I want you to have a great prayer life. I want you to have a strong prayer life. I want you to have that devoted, passionate, seeking God consecration that goes after God. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want that for you. However, after prayer, there's some things that we've got to get right. The first thing we've got to get right after prayer is we've got to have a plan. I taught you that last week, remember? No, you want to come out of this? Build something. Design something. Build an ark that I can use to get you out. Amen. Jesus even taught this. He said, nobody goes to build a tower unless they go first and count the cost, unless they go and plan and see how much they got to work with. But after you plan, you need to pray. You need to plan, and then you need to plant. There's an interesting verse over in the book of Genesis when you read about the creation story. You read about God saying, let there be light, let there be animals, let there be dry land, let there be vegetation, let there be all these things. He says, I want the earth to bring forth herbs that bear seed. The seed is in themselves. Watch, and the seed reproduces after its own kind. That's the very first thing he told us about seed in the Bible, that it reproduces after its own kind. This is what he's saying. You will get whatever you plant. What you are getting in your life, let me say it this way. The seed you have planted is giving you 100% of what it was designed to give you. When you sow bad attitude and it cuts off opportunities for you, come on somebody. That seed is giving you 100% of what it was designed to give you. When you sow gossip and you don't have favor on you as a result, that seed is giving you 100% of what it was designed to give you. You are, and I am, every one of us, we are reaping right now everything we did or did not do in a previous season. No, 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 no. We are reaping right now everything we did or did not do in a previous season. I see this all the time with grown adults. You know what they say when they turn 50? They say, I should have went to college. Because they're reaping now a seed they sowed previously. Right? I have people come up to me all the time. They say, I want to be used. I want to be this. Why am I not getting an opportunity? Why am I? Because of all of the seed that you sown before this moment. You've sown, you've sown judgment, and then you reap that condemnation back in your own family. Because Jesus said the same level of judgment you dish out, it's going to come back to you. And the same level of mercy you dish out, it's going to come back to you. We are reaping the seed, the reward of every seed that we have or have not sown in a previous season of our lives. And it is giving us 100% what it is designed to give us. Well, I ain't got no money. Have you been sowing? Because I have money, but only because I've been sowing. 
had I cut off the seed, I would end up meeting a harvest where there was famine. Everything we are walking in right now is a result of everything we did or did not sow. You with me? The seed reproduces after its own kind. Now, I, I, I still don't think I, I still don't think we get this. I, I still don't think we wrap our minds around this. I have seen people have negative attitudes. Gossip, strife, always mad about something. And then at the same moment, in the same sentence, ask for more opportunity. Ask for more influence. Ask for more leadership responsibilities. You're reaping what you sowed. You're reaping. Now, now, I posted this online last night. I said, Says something about reaping and sowing, and everybody's like, now wait a second. I believe you can repent. I'm not talking about I believe you can repent too. Simmer down. Simmer down. But let's take a look at what is coming at us. What is coming at us. And then push that aside and say, what seeds are behind that? Remember when we remember when we said that to our family? Remember the remember those. Remember how hard we've been to live with for so many years, and now here's my marriage 20 years later, and there's a disconnect? It's not disconnected now. It started when those seeds started getting planted a long time ago. I have people coming, how do I get the favor of God on my life? You me tell you the best way to get the favor of God on your life? Speak favor over somebody else. Sow the seed and let God bring it back to you. Y'all ain't with me. Let me tell you, favor is, this is how I define favor. When God speaks to somebody else on your behalf. Every time you encounter somebody in the Bible, they, that do something great for God, every one of them had a moment where they encountered the favor of God. You go through the Bible, the favor of God takes people from poverty to riches in a moment. The favor of God averts tragedy and brings triumph in a moment. The favor of God takes people out of obscurity and brings them to notoriety in a moment. That's the power of the favor of God. How do I get the favor of God on my life? You sow the favor towards somebody else. There is Favor is when God speaks to somebody else about you and that person opens a door for you the best way to get that favor on you is go start spreading favor about other people did you see the work that they did did you see what a great job they did did you see how amazing they were that's why gossip in the kingdom is not tolerated you close doors for other people because of your personal agenda and God will close doors for you I've seen it happen I have seen two people get mad at each other in church and go to the pastor and say, you can't believe what they said about you. And the reality is the person saying it, they're the ones that said it. And shifting the blame. You can't believe I was in a pastor. I was so grieved. Oh, God, I could tell. Pastor, I was just so, I had to go home and I just had to, I had to take a shower. I felt so dirty. I was grieved in my spirit for three weeks and I want to say, why didn't you say something to them? Because you were sowing it. And then when you come to me with your fake submission and loyalty, I don't buy it. Y'all ever had those people talk to you that while it's coming out of their mouth, tears streaming down their cheeks? Oh, my God, I love you. On the inside, you're going, nope. 
Y'all know that, y'all know, I wish I had a picture of that. Y'all know that blank stare emoji with that little boy with the funky haircut? That's what, people are like, they've all been talking about you. I'm like, well, why didn't, so have you, right? I'm so, they've all been talking about you. You didn't say anything? Because you're sowing division and wanting to reap influence. Paul took this so seriously. He said, if somebody sows division among you, mark them. Paul said, address it publicly. Paul said, if somebody starts sowing division, tell everybody. Gotta make you shut up. Sowed division and reaped a public rebuke. I don't want those problems. The seed is giving you 100% of what it was designed to give you. And we sow things unwittingly. We sow words and statements and word curses and gossip and envy and jealousy and strife and this and divisive statements. And I know this and I know that. And I just want everybody to say, you might not know nearly as much as what you think you know. Just sowing all of this stuff. And then ask God for leadership, favor, influence. You can't outpray what you've sown. Tweet that. You can't, you can't outpray what you've sown. You can't sow negativity and then believe God for greatness and blessing. It doesn't work that way. Because he said, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will not cease. So what have you been sowing? Or what have you not been sowing? You can't pray for God to bless your finances if you don't tithe. That's an oxymoron. It doesn't work that way. You ain't got any seed in the ground for him to multiply. And I, then people say, well, I, I, give, I give on a case. That's not, no, no, that's not what the Bible says. Tithing is the baseline. That gets you started. And I'm saying this to a church that is very generous. I've, I've commended our church repeatedly on your generosity and how you give. It just blows me away week after week after week. Just absolutely amazing. This is preventative maintenance. But you can't not sow and then ask God to multiply it when all he has to work with is dirt and no seed. He said, I will multiply, in Corinthians, I will multiply the seed that you sow. So if you put it in the ground, I can multiply it. But as long as it stays in your hand, I can't do anything with it. We can't be tight-fisted toward God and then believe that God's going to be open-handed toward us. Before God can release what is in his hand toward us, we have to release what's in our hand toward God. He said, I can multiply it if you sow it, which means if you put your money in the ground, I can multiply it, which means if you put favor on somebody else's life, I can multiply and bring it back to you, which means if you put submission and loyalty and honor to, towards somebody else, I can multiply it and then bring it back to you. 
I always tell young leaders in the church, I always say this, that somebody's going to serve you the way you serve your leader. When you serve your leader with a bad attitude, when you serve your leader with division and divisiveness and gossip and compromise, somebody's going to serve you the exact same way. Because while the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. Won't cease. Won't stop. Y'all with me so far? You got to pray. And you got to plant. And you've got to plant. And you are, we are all planting something by the seeds we sow or don't sow. When we don't sow, we're preparing for famine in every area of our life. When we sow, we're preparing for harvest of some kind. Now, here's the challenging thing about seed time harvest. Whenever you sow anything, money, attitude, favor, excellence, showing up at work on time even though nobody else does, doing a good job, having integrity and character when everybody else is a bunch of crazy people, right? The things you can see on the workplace are amazing, aren't they? It's like, keep your head down, keep typing, glory to God. But you... You keep doing the right thing. You keep doing the God-honoring thing. And the challenge is, is we don't see the reward of it immediately. And so it becomes tempting to give up on sowing the right kind of seed because we hadn't seen the harvest yet. But he said this. He said, while the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and then harvest. And after you plant the seed, you launch the time process. And while you're in the middle of the time process, everybody else at work that's lying and ain't doing a good job, they're going to be blessed. Because God's going to see to it that in regardless of what's happening around you, you continue to put the right seed in the ground because you believe for a future harvest. You have, listen, you have never sown a dollar into the kingdom of God that did not get multiplied and come back to you. It might not have come back as quickly as you wanted, but there's never been a dollar leave your hand that God didn't send back to you. There's never been a word of favor or blessing that's left your mouth that God didn't in the future send it back to you. There's never been a word of gossip or compromise or division. That unless you repent, doesn't get sent back to you. Seed. Harvest. Seed. Well, this, this is how it happens. Pastor preaching on time. I'm going to start tithing. God's going to bless me. God's going to bless me. I'm going to live in that new neighborhood. I'm going to get that new house. I'm going to get that new car. Glory be to God. I'm going to post it all on Instagram and tell all the haters, hey, I'm going to... I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to start tithing and God's going to do it. Start tithing and lose your job. I need somebody to talk back. Start tithing and lose your job. Why? Because time has begun. Every dollar you gave, it'll show back up, but you got to survive the time part process first. You sow it and then time happens and only God knows what can happen during the time process.
But God's got to see to it that after you sow the seed and time starts, you still make up in your mind, I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to plant, I'm going to plan, and I'm going to pray. And then if I do those three things, there will be a harvest waiting on me at the end. Every seed you sow, listen, every seed you sow is either scheduling a harvest or a famine for you in your future. Every time you put money in the offering plate, you are scheduling a future harvest. Every time you sow gossip and division, you are scheduling a future harvest. You hear what I'm saying? Seed, time, harvest. Seed, I've taught you this before, time, harvest. The right way to respond when you sow seed number one and time starts on seed number one, and you're waiting on harvest of seed number one, the right thing to do, seed number one, time. As soon as you sow seed number one, sow seed number two, and then time starts on seed number two. And then as soon as you get done sowing seed number two, sow seed number three. Then time starts on seed number three. Now you got time. Now you got seed one, seed two, seed three, and then number four, and then number five, and then number six. And then finally, when harvest starts showing up, you receive harvest number one, then harvest number two, then harvest number three. And then while you're receiving harvest number one, harvest number two, start sowing seed number 15, seed number 16, seed number 20, seed number, because you will get in a cycle where it is both sowing and reaping at the same time. You you will get in a cycle where God's blessing coming into your life never dries up because you have gotten into the cycle of seed, time, and harvest that your Bible said will never stop. So you obey God's principle and then you start praying on top of that and watch God multiply everything he sends back to you. I wish somebody would give God a praise because he has set this up for us to win. It works if we work it. It works if we work it. As a matter of fact, it is already, many of y'all come on, it's already working for you in every area of your life. It's working for you. You might not be, you might not like what you're getting, but it's working for you. So what do you do? What do you do if I don't like what I'm getting? What do you do if I'm reaping a harvest that is not what I anticipate. First of all, you take inventory of everything that you sow. That's when I said that, and I shouldn't have said that. That's when I tried to hurt that person in front of other people, and I shouldn't have, and I was wrong. That's when I didn't, that was an opportunity. Listen, me and my wife, every church service we're in, we give something. I don't care if I got to rip a shoelace off my shoe, I'll throw it in there. We give something. Because the more seed I get in the ground, the more harvest I have scheduled. Right? I'm not going to sow because I'm worried about the economy. Whatever, you and I, none of us in here know enough about the economy to even have an opinion. Quit acting like you're a PhD economist. You ever heard people talk about when they talk about things like, how you think, well, economy's good. You don't know that. That's what that means. Is, I got money. <laughs> That's what they mean. I got money. My economy is good. Or they say, well, the economy's bad, which means translated, I'm broke. Somebody's getting rich, but I ain't one of them. 
every seed we don't sow. And that's the thing. We don't sow now. We don't sow now. We'll use finances again. If you think I'm after your money, I ain't even got time to talk. I ain't even got time to address that. We don't sow now. We miss an opportunity to put seed in the ground now. We schedule a famine. Not immediately. But like a brick wall. Boom. What happened? Why is everything falling apart? Because we don't have seed in the ground. There's nothing for God to multiply. There's nothing for God to use. I give seed. Here's what he said. Listen, listen, to how, listen to how God has stacked this in our favor. He said, I will give seed to the sower. Bread to the eater. And then I will multiply the seed sown. So when you say you don't have it to sow, that's a lie. Because he said, I give seed to the sower. Everything you've got, you've got seed in your hand right now. I give seed to the sower. So I've given it to you to sow. It's like when my daughter asks for money to give an offering plate. I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, don't act like you gave this. They got some money. Don't act like you're serving God, passion. You know, you're such a giver. <laughs> he said, I give seed to the sower. I give you the money to sow. And then when you put it in the ground, I'll multiply it. And then you get to stand up and talk about, look what God did. And I was faithful and a tithe. And, and he gave you the money to sow and then multiplied it. Do you see what he's doing? I'll give it to you. And then when you sow it, I'll multiply it, make you look real good in front of people. We can't outpray what we've sown. We can't outpray what we've already planted. We can repent and make it right. And we can start today saying, I'm going to start getting the right seed in the ground. I'm going to start scheduling the harvest that I want coming at me. You with me? You want this year to be the best year? Yeah, we've already started that. I had somebody tell me the other day, while I was driving, I said, Happy New Year. I was like, it's the 12th of January. We still celebrate New Year's. I want this year to be the greatest year? I do too. I want you to pray. I want you to plan. And I want you to plan. Not just your money, your words, your leadership, your heart, your attitude, your submission. When, when everybody else is doing the wrong thing, you do the right thing. God will bless you for it. When other Christians are doing the wrong thing, you do the right thing. God will bless you for it. You hear what I'm saying? Stand on your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.